This is a special Yom Kippur edition of The Pen and the Yad. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Ancheim at Synagogue in Chicago sits down with author Jonathan Eig. Well, Yom Kippur is in the offing. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, already... I, I, I sometimes do strategies to try to make the fast go by easier. You know, like I will spend weeks changing my diet, trying to think about, just reframe the way I think about hunger. Like it was one year where I just decided I was going to spend a few months in advance convincing myself that that feeling hungry was a good feeling. And then the fast would go by easy because I would just be feeling good about being hungry. It didn't work that well, but I still like the idea. Like, can you retrain your brain in a way like that to, to just fundamentally reshape your thinking on something? Well, Jews do spend an inordinate amount of time worrying about the fast. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, one day without food is just such a horrible thing. I, yeah, I think it's an special, especially a large issue for Jews who make so much about eating in general. And yet, we're supposed to suffer. The whole idea is to afflict yourself. So the fact that we're trying to figure out a way out of this <laughs> is, is interesting to me. Yeah, I often wonder, if, if I'm supposed to be afflicted, how am I going to really be able to concentrate on atoning for my sins? Wouldn't it be better if I were doing that in comfort? Well, I think this whole conversation really raises the question of how seriously do, are we taking this idea? I feel like you're accusing me there. No, <laughs> I, I think it's for all of us. I have a friend who says that if you think that you can hang up your sins in the cloakroom and put on a white garment, just understand that they're going to be waiting for you when you leave on Yom Kippur, unless you really are willing to, to think about them. And I guess where that leads us is the whole question about, is change really possible? Can we actually imagine that we can become different? Not different people, but that we can actually adjust our behaviors in ways that will last, let's say, all the way to Thanksgiving. That's a great question. I think it goes to the core of, of Yom Kippur, which is probably why you're raising it. Um, but it's like these juice cleanses. You know, my kids were into this for a while. They felt like if they, they do these juice cleanses and they're just going to be all cleaned out and they're going to be good to go, like a whole new body. And I don't think it works that way. I think if you're going to want to really fundamentally change your health, you're going to have to do some more thinking about it and a lot more work than just doing a juice cleanse. And you know, does Yom Kippur become like our juice cleanse? Well, I think for a lot of us, it has. It's a day to kind of think about things and then get back to life as usual. So in fact, this entire question comes out of our toll reading for that day. Surprise, surprise. The toll reading for Yom Kippur morning revolves around the Avodah service, the service of the priest, and how he was going to represent the people of Israel and atone for the national sins. And from the priest's perspective, and from the people's perspective, this was deadly serious work because the temple represented God's house. So he was actually going to plead and stand in God's throne room, if you will, which is where the ark was. And with the hope that God would forgive the people because the consequences of sin can be pretty devastating. And so one of the rituals was to take two goats, one that was designated for God and the other which was designated for Azazel, which some people believe is a wilderness demon. We're not exactly sure, but what we know is that one of these goats was sacrificed in the temple, but the other one, when the priest placed his hands on that goat, took on the sins of the people. And then they kind of took it into the wilderness where it would die. 
as if to say we're going to get rid of our sins this way. Isn't that convenient? Or is that too convenient? I think if that's the only way you look at it, yes. Wouldn't that be nice? I'll just take this poor goat, put all my sins into the goat, and then send the goat right. packing. Or throwing our crumbs in the, in the water as if that were all you had to do. For Tashlich. Right. I think these are actually related ideas. Because I think that if you look at that as actually taking care of the problem, then that's just foolishness. And no religion worth its salt is going to take that seriously. But if you look at it as an object lesson, I would suggest that the deeper meaning is, is that when I throw my crumbs into the water, I'm actually looking at the possibility that I can be relieved of these sins, these nagging problems, these cycles that everyone goes through, the patterns of bad behavior, I can let go of them. So you think we can change fundamentally? I think that's what the tradition is telling us. Because if we come to the conclusion that we can't change, then this whole thing is a waste of time. Right. Right? It has nice, nice music <laughs> and, of course, brilliant sermons. But the, the whole idea of atonement, aside from saying, I'm sorry, is really an empty act. So we can and should atone, but we need to be thinking about how we can change those flaws that are leading us to some of these sins in the first place and how we can really fundamentally change the behaviors and the, some people would say change who we are. Sorry isn't enough. Yeah. You know, the idea here is that your actions matter and they're going to have an impact, right? So on the national level, we could be exiled. There are serious consequences for bad behavior. So unless we actually believe that we can change and visualize the possibility of letting go of some of those issues so that we can embrace something better, then all is lost. Yeah, how do we know, though, which issues those are? Because, you know, love me for who I am, right? Uh, I have issues. I, some things I can't change about myself and some I can. You know, my grandmother always used to say, live and let live, right? Like if there's something about somebody that you don't like, learn to live with it. Um, embrace the things that you that you love about that person. So I think one of the things people wrestle with is there are things about me that I can change, things about me that I can't change. How do I know the difference? Maybe the issue is about struggle. If you say that or a person says that and the other person accepts that, is something lost as a result? Mm. That is the possibility of change, the possibility that you can adjust your behavior. I think it's safe to say, and I, when I meet with wedding couples, I often tell them in our last meeting that what you see is what you get. If you go into this marriage thinking you're going to change this individual to become something else, then I'm sorry to say that you're going to be sadly disappointed. But the possibility of adjusting our behaviors just slightly, turning the dial a little bit, being less this or more that, that's the real possibility here. And those small changes can often make all the difference in the world, especially if the other people in your life understand that you are making these adjustments to have a better relationship. Because I heard you. I'm trying to do this. It's not all or nothing. It's in the gray area that life has lived. It's in the trying. You know, we've all known people who've had addiction problems and it doesn't go away. It's something you have all your life. And it's in that struggle to, to stay strong and to bounce back when you failed. That's, I think, when you see the greatest 
courage and when I feel the greatest love and appreciation for that struggle, often right after the failures. That's a big issue. But I certainly agree with you. But in the everyday living that you and I are involved with, in the everyday relationships of our lives, the important relationships in our lives, there are a myriad of smaller issues that are constantly under review. Oh, yeah. Some of them verbally and sometimes in silence. And the silence is, I think, in some ways, much more dangerous than the verbal. Because when people are silent, it means oftentimes that they've given up. And when we give up, rather than embracing other persons, no, I get it, I understand you have this issue, there's a sense that there's distance. And so it's in this constant evolving relationship with ourselves and with others and ultimately with God that really is the, the basis for, for this idea, this crazy idea of sending a goat out into the wilderness. So does that mean you get better at atonement and you get better at Yom Kippur, you get better at fasting as you do it more often, as you get older? Don't you think that as you mature, you begin to look at your life differently and think more deeply about where you're at and what you can do? Absolutely. I mean, you don't get to retire, you know, and say, okay, well, I've done it already. One of the great messages of the High Holidays is that we don't write Yom Kippur in the calendar in pencil thinking, you know what, if we make tshuva, then we won't have to have it next year. Right. It's like in the calendar already. I can tell you when Yom Kippur is going to be for the next thousand years. Why? Because this is the struggle. This is the human condition. This is the relationship. This is our relationship with each other. There are always issues and there are always opportunities. Yeah, because if we did a great job with the goat or with the crumbs, we would be done. And we could not schedule it for the next year, right? <laughs> something like that. And we could pick something new. Right. But that wouldn't be honest. <laughs> and it wouldn't be human. No. And I think that there's a certain optimism in all of this. The optimism is, is that God is saying to us in the tradition, you might not think it's possible, but I know it is. And that's just something very beautiful about this entire process, that God continues to believe in us even when we stop. God continues to believe in the Jewish people, even when we are turning against each other. And sometimes, and maybe that's the goal of Yom Kippur, is to stop, to take one day and look at ourselves, not through our eyes or the eyes of others alone, but through the eyes of God. I wish you an easy fast. I wish you a meaningful fast. And I wish for all of us that will be inscribed for the book of good and for a year of health and fulfillment. Amen. <laughs>